Welcome to the Happy in the Mess podcast. We are your hosts, Marlena, Sherry, and Matthew. We are therapists and coaches, and we want to share our own stories with you, as well as the wisdom, insights, and tips we've learned along the way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Uh, Welcome to Happy in the Mess. We are coming at you live-ish from Cincinnati. You'll be catching the recording but um, we are so happy to be together again and to, uh, again. Yeah, well, well, this is our second yeah. episode recording from Cincinnati. So we're here together. It's kind of a different format for us. So we hope that the sound is okay and the video is okay. Um, today we are talking about something that's really a hot button topic. And I see it a lot in my practice. And we are probably going to have to record a second episode on this. But we're going to be talking about adult ADHD. Many people get diagnosed later in life and realize that they have these symptoms and have been sort of managing as best they could, but didn't realize that they had it and how it can look like other issues. So, but before we get started, please like, share, and subscribe if you like our content and leave comments below. We'd love to interact and create some community on our YouTube channel or wherever you listen to us. And Matthew and Sherry, where can people find you? Because actually, this is, I just want to interrupt to say really quick that this is Matthew's, one of his specialties hmm? and expertise. Me? And, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Sherry sees couples, and what's interesting, because ADHD can play out, uh, diff- not differently, but can play out in, in relationships and can affect relationships, too. So you really want to pay attention to this episode if this is something you struggle with, think you might, or have a partner who is. So where can people find you? I am at MatthewEMorgan.com or Misfit Refuge. And yes, I absolutely love working with my ADHDers and other neurodivergent types. I'm at SherryTimco.com. Wonderful. So can we start first by just talking about what is ADHD? Because it's beyond the cluster of symptoms that we see in the DSM, which is our way to clinically diagnose folks. Um, So how would you say it shows up and shows up in adults? Oh, it's a lot here. Got thirty minutes. Um, no, uh, no, it really is. It's a challenging thing. Um, and I wrote uh, in my grad school. I wrote a paper really with ADHD, and I said that ADHD really is it's mis misrepresented in the DSM. Um, it really should be considered a spectrum disorder because of its variety of approaches and uh, presentations, the variety of interventions that are required for it. The fact that we really don't know where a lot of it comes from, there's speculation, there's some consistency. Um, but I did, again, I don't even think it's qualified well. Um, I do lean a little bit more with um, Daniel Amen. I tend to align with a lot of his research because he actually looks at the brain. Um, you know, most therapists, we have this privilege of working with people, but we only see the presentation of what's going on inside. Um, and Dr. Amen will, he, he runs these spec images that are basically pictures of the brain as it's moving or and seeing what lights up. Um, and he's identified seven different subtypes of ADHD um, that are all completely different neurologically. And this is way out of my scope, so I'm not going to run down this way, but I would encourage you to look up some of his research on that. Um, essentially, it's a cluster of symptoms where we have a difficult time paying attention or staying focused uh, on activities. We have a hard time, some of us may have a hard time sitting still um, I would say hyperactivity, it can, it can present in a couple different ways because hyperactivity could be the traditional kangaroo bouncing around <laughs> everywhere, um, or the hyperactivity could be, you know, sometimes it's the smaller movements, um, sometimes it's no movement, but our brain is, our brain is the one out doing laps while our body is just sitting here almost catatonic. Mm. Um, so it has a lot of, I think 
a lot of that cluster of symptoms is tends to be what we see with ADHD. We also see a lot of executive functioning. Um, the, essentially, if your parent brain isn't there going, why can't you do this? Like, take out the trash. Like, do, you know, do these things. And you find yourself not able to. Um, that, I think, is also one of those main clusters of things that I see with ADHD. Um, and it's consistent within even the different subtypes. Um, but again, they present very different ways, too. What about, like, self-esteem and how you mm. think about yourself? Is that a, a part that you see consistently? Um, it's a great question. I'm going to go out on a limb here a little bit because I think depending on how we are raised with our ADHD. Um, if we are raised, because because it is a neurological condition, it's not something we cure, it's not something we make better. We can put interventions in there and we can, we can try to pad it, but if we are taught this is the way you are, and I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna call my brother out on this one a little bit because my brother and I are both ADHD kiddos. Um, three years apart, we were raised very differently. Um, I was raised within a, a gifted class um, and was able to let my creativity fly. I mean, like, weirdness was encouraged. So mm -hmm. I grew up with a little bit more self-esteem that way. Mm -hmm. Three years later, my brother gets this diagnosis and he's broken and he's wrong. And this is why you have all these problems um, and you need to take this medication to be a decent kid again. Um, and he got a lot of negative messages. So his self-esteem went completely in the toilet. Um, and it wasn't until he worked with a therapist. It was like, dude, you have this amazing gift. You have this ability to think through things a different way. You have this ability to be creative. And man, his creativity is, it, it far exceeds any of mine too. Wow. So he has self-esteem um, now, but he's had to build that up. Um, so I do think we see it, but we see it be my tendency is to lean towards it's more how we grow it and how we treat it, how we relate to that side of ourselves. So it's more how they fit in and whether their environment allows the, yeah. them to not be exactly the same as everyone yes. else. Okay. So Sharon, I'm curious, what kind of complaints do you might see with um, a partner who has ADHD and the other one doesn't understand or misinterprets this inattention or hyperactiveness or what have you. Yeah, a lot of times I will talk with couples and one of them will complain that their partner can't keep track of things, never remembers things, doesn't doesn't let them know what their plans are, um, that they can't follow through on things, can't finish things, mm. um, those sorts of things. And I have noticed that people with ADHD tend to find a partner who is super organized, <laughs> perfectionistic. Yeah. And so <laughs> and so I think that there's this natural tendency to find someone who balances that way. Mm. Yeah, so the, what I've seen too with some couples is that they'll complain thinking that it's personal. Like, mm -hmm. you're not... You're not following through. Why are you breaking promises to me? And why aren't you showing me more affection? Or where is this kind of like attention to our relationship and romance when in fact it's really not? Mm -hmm. But um, how, I mean, I know we, jumping into a little bit of an intervention for that, how might couples kind of work together to both get their needs met and not take things so personally? It's been life-changing when one partner gets the appropriate diagnosis mm. and then starts to see how it's affecting their behavior then the other partner can say can understand that it's not about them personally it's about you know this is the way their brain works and we need to figure out how to cope with that rather than thinking that there's something wrong with them as a person mm -hmm. yeah 
it, it's an extra person in the relationship is what it is or an extra being within there mm-hmm. um, because they, they do tend to run interference and with ADHD it's always a we're, we're almost always polarized um, it's always one thing or other either I'm completely hyper focused in on something mm-hmm. or you know I'm running around mm-hmm. um, and when we recognize it and a lot of times even people label that right like like that wasn't me that was Eduardo my ADHD personality and he was just kind of running crazy right now you know or whatever it is um, I'm a big fan of like like let's give some of our our negative things names because it it helps us personify them mm-hmm. right and and my wife I, I love it. one of my favorite moments is I, I still remember we were sitting in the kitchen my brain was it was gone I mean I was literally looking her in the eyes having a conversation and I was not present in that room. And she just looked at me. She's like, you just ADHD, didn't you? And I go, mm. yep. She goes, can we try it again? I said, let's try it again. Like, I will be, I mean, and it was not personal. It wasn't, it wasn't that. It was just where I was. Um, mm. So couples do need to, I think, recognize it, call it out. As hard as it is. Because certain people, <laughs> um, especially certain genders, uh, can have difficulty saying there's something wrong with me. Um, and, and essentially it, it, it's wrong. It's not wrong, but it's, it's something different. It's something that we don't work the same way as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can call it out, not as an excuse, but call it out as something that we can fix and something we can work with mm-hmm. and work around, then we, we create flexibility. We create creativity. We're, we're able to connect with each other. And it creates a lot of more compassion and understanding in the relationship. I could see how that would be really helpful. And you just mentioned something that I wanted to talk about because I noticed a lot of my women find out in later life that they're diagnosed and it has gone unnoticed because they're not bouncing off their chairs. They're not fidgety. They're not doing that, but they have the more inattention in their minds. They're not present. They're not here. So I'm curious, like, what have you all noticed? Like, how does it really show up differently in you all, the people you've worked with in women and men? Women, more than anything, I think we see them later on in life because, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to burn down systems today, apparently. Um, <laughs> our pedagogical system does not work well, for, particularly for the boy personality or the more masculine personalities, whether they, you know, yeah. we're, we're, regardless. The, those that are more active and need to do more things, if you tell this kiddo to sit down in the seat and learn as the teacher's talking to them, they're gone, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Um, Typically, those the personalities that lend more towards can we sit down, be quiet, be you know work hard, um, like and stay focused. And stay focused. But a lot of times, the the hidden gem of this one is that the girls that particularly women that are struggling with ADHD is they're they have come to this point because they're so anxious. Um, they don't want to mess up. They don't want to do anything wrong. So their grades are fantastic. They are attentive. They work hard because they're, and they have the structure. Um, what I see with a lot of them is is when we get into the 20s and the 30s, all of a sudden that structure has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. And we have new roles and new rules and we don't know what to do with it. All of a sudden now it's like, oh, I can't make myself do these things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it's been missed for 20 years. Yeah. Whereas I think boys tend to be more overdiagnosed because they, mm-hmm. again, just tend to be more physical. And it, those are all big broad brushstrokes, so please don't send too much hate mail my way. Um, but that it, it really, I think, just kind of leaning in towards more of those dominant personality traits. Yeah, and when you add to that the cultural expectations that girls are raised 
even today, mm-hmm. girls are still raised with a set of rules, and boys are raised with different ones. Yeah. And even though we're getting closer, we're still at a point where they're getting different, different messages in childhood. Um, I also see that a lot of people get diagnosed in adulthood when their children get diagnosed. Mm. Um, so not just with ADHD, but also with autism and other other sorts of disorders. And that's when the parent really says, oh, I, I thought this was just, you know, they're like me. And then there's that dawning of, ah, that's mm-hmm. what that is in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like that um, sometimes there's overlapping symptoms for men and women, and sometimes they look very differently, and you may bring up a good point. So your environment really can affect how your ADHD is presenting. And I also want to call into attention, it doesn't make you stupid. There, there's some a lot of misconceptions around ADHD. It doesn't necessarily even mean that you need to be medicated. There are other ways to intervene. Um, so, you know, do your research, and I know there's a lot of up-and-coming research around ADHD, and that it also... Just because you're highly functional, and I get this a lot, I have a lot of very high-functioning, high-achieving people who realize later that they ADHD, because they made good grades and they did really well and they can still do all these things, it doesn't mean that they don't struggle. And so I'm, this kind of bleeds into the conversation around dual diagnosis, because sometimes people with ADHD get down on themselves. Why can't I do these things? Especially when that structure and routine leaves, especially after the academic setting. I notice some women, is I, I work more with women, but I, I see men too, um, they think they're low-key depressed or they start to begin to get depressed because they're wondering why they can't accomplish tasks. So ADHD and depression, ADHD and the anxiety that you mentioned, ADHD and complex trauma. I had a really, really bright client who's like, I don't know if I have ADHD or if these are symptoms of complex trauma. And I know there's a lot to tease apart, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious if y'all could weigh in on this. Oh, goodness. Um, Trauma trumps all. Um, in my opinion, um, I, I think, and I think a lot of therapists will agree is, you know, if, if there is trauma, we need to unpack that. Um, and ADHDers can a lot of times be pigeonholed into that because they've been, again, they're told that they're, you said the key word, right? We're stupid, mm-hmm. right? Why can't you do this? Why can't you keep track of your car keys? And, and if we're in an environment that can be hostile to that, the, the trauma can start from, how our parents have treated us or how our caregivers have treated us. Um, and then if something bad happens, then it just piles on top of that. And because, again, in life, I think everybody gets one trauma. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it just, it's, it's one of those things. Everybody gets at least one and we can bounce back from it. But then complex, right? It keeps happening and more happens and it piles up. ADHDers, we're fantastic about remembering things that we need to to keep us safe, which is stuff that has hurt us. Um, so I do think we need a skilled clinician. It's not just, hey, can you organize your bedroom? It's what messages do you have? What is your story in life? What do you believe about yourself? Um, self-esteem. We'll roll right back to the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And trauma, I would agree. I am a therapist who believes that if you don't treat the trauma first, it's really hard to know what the secondary diagnosis is. But trauma isn't just abuse and neglect and witnessing horrific events it's also these repeated things that wear down at you um we think of it in terms of big t trauma and little t trauma and a lot of people will dismiss the little t trauma because it seems like it wasn't that bad or that's just the way it was in my childhood and really those things can can have a really big impact on your personality and how you interact with the world and also need to be unpacked 
Mm. Well said. It's true that until you get the trauma piece sort of um, unraveled, it's really hard to know what else might be going on. Mm -hmm. And and it can look like these other things. ADHD can look like depression, can look like anxiety. And you might have it all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You might have, lucky you, you're a triple winner. (laughs) But it could also be, you know, but I I also want to call back the attention to the strengths of ADHD. I feel like we don't talk about those enough. I mean, brilliant people. I mean, mm-hmm. ability to think about multiple things at the same time. Most people really cannot multitask, mm-hmm. but I have found people with ADHD being able to like solve two problems at the same time. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So tell me yeah. about the shrinks. My, my analogy I use for this is straight from The Incredibles, uh, the second one particularly, uh, because I tell my ADHDers, I always start off with like, you have a superpower because I want, I, I want, to, I want to start overriding that negative self-esteem as quickly as possible. Um, so it's like you have a superpower and the first thing they picture is something like Superman that has everything together. Like we're all, you know, focused and great. I'm said, Oh no, no, no. I said, you're more like Jack Jack from the Incredibles, right? And Jack Jack has this every power imaginable and it happens all at random times. Um, and he's, he's the little baby and he's just like, like one minute he's on fire. The next minute he's multiples of him and ADHD is very much this way where you have to, you have strengths but you've got to learn to put them in the right place and know like, okay, this is the mode that's going on here. Um, and, and I, I do this with my life. I have, I always call it my creative side and my administrative side of me. Um, so my, I, you know, I have my Superman, I have my Clark Kent, um, and they don't play well, right? I will sit down and try to do a note for 20, 30 minutes and I will stare at my computer like, <laughs> it's not happening. I don't like, have ADHD, but that has happened. Like it's just not <laughs> happening. Um, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and write a book right now. And next thing I know, I've outlined 10 chapters of a book, you know? Amazing. Now the next morning, I can't write that book to save my life. But you know what? All of a sudden, like, my brain's calm enough. Oh, I'm going to go back and do that note. Mm. So the, the strengths are the, the flexibility that's there. You just have to learn to, to bend with it. Mm. Um, I think the creativity that's there, again, more, more likely than not. Um, they have this ability to think outside the box. Um, there's a, um, man, I don't have the, the camera set up right. A lot of times with my clients here, I'll, I'll hold a little Lego minifigure up and I'll hold it so it's the same size as my head mm. on the camera. I said, that's really the way ADHD works. Like we don't know what's important, what's not important. But uh, that also means that, man, I can see all these little details that neurotypical people can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that lack of focus sometimes, it actually gives me like that attention to detail a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, people who can, you know, see, smell, taste, colors. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, so that's me. I don't know if you see with couples, if you're able to see some things. That... Well, I do think that there is a reason why someone with ADHD is going to find someone who has really strong executive functioning. Uh, it's because that balance works really well. You know, the person with ADHD brings that new perspective and that creativity and that relaxation and the fun that the person Mm. who can be perfectionistic or has really strong executive functioning they have they're much more like cognitive and linear and lists and productive and their partner brings that that liveliness and that energy to the relationship so i think of couples as like always balancing each other and whatever you're bringing that's a strength even if you're at odds about it mm. i love that they are very so complimentary this type mm. a and the ADHD couple 
Um, I, I will keep that in mind when I'm looking for my next mate. <laughs> um, so I don't want to spend too much time on medications. We know that is one way to intervene, and it is not the only way. So I'm curious, and because none of us are psychiatrists, please talk to your doctor about that. Where, what are the interventions you can use for people who struggle with this in adulthood beyond medication? Um, I, I hate to be one of these people, uh, but nutrition is so key. Um, the research is there. Um, again, I'm going to lean on Daniel Amen and some of his stuff, but other people as well. Um, ADHDers, we tend to crave sugar really, really badly. Uh, we like the dopamine fix that comes from it. Um, but it also just lights our ADHD on fire. Um, so it, um, trying to be very cautious with our diet. Um, I am not a dietitian. Um, talk to somebody who is, and who knows this because there's a lot behind the scenes with ADHD. Um, one of the genes that they're discovering, um, that is consistent within these, um, shows that we don't break down dopamine super well, um, which also means that like what they have found is if those people eat a high protein diet, it tends to exacerbate their symptoms. So they need a more balanced diet, um, which is, and, and this is nutritional, this is brain health diet, not, not gut health diet. Um, but I think talking, you want to make sure you're, you're talking, I hope, and I know not everybody has access to this, but talking to a, a really good holistic doctor um, who is knowledgeable about this can be super beneficial. Um, even above, and I'm not anti-medication, um, but we also need to make sure we're doing that. Um, we need to make sure we're putting interventions around it too. Um, you know, just learn how to work. Um, if you learn how your ADHD works and can creative problem solver on it. Remember, we're creative problem solvers. We just have to apply it to ourselves. Um, I, I have jokingly, one of the things is out of sight, out of mind. Um, so my, my diet program, because I really like cheese, um, you know, who doesn't, right? It's cheese, it's good, uh, but it's not good for me. Um, and my impulsiveness is like, oh, I'm gonna grab a cheese stick and have it as a snack. Um, so the cheese is now hidden in a bottom drawer and the pickle jar is directly in front of me. Um, because out of sight, out of mind, right? My brain's gonna go, oh, pickles are right there. So um, yeah, diet, um, exercise is so important. Not go out and work out and buff up at the gym. Get out and walk around your block for 15, 30 minutes. You know, that that's gonna help reset a lot of that chaoticness that you have going in there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those are some of my favorite things. And again, with ADHDers, we're gonna have to track it more creatively. So I've got a journal that I work with that has little check marks on there because like that, that's what, it reminds us to do it. It's, you know, out of sight, out of mind, this is insight. Um, there's also that benefit of like, I got a check mark, I'm happy, you know? Um, so I think some of those interventions, Sherry, I don't know if you found with. Yeah, no, I love, phones get a bad rap mm -hmm. sometimes, but I think that we have, the power of organizing our lives in a way that we never had in the past. Mm -hmm. And so setting alarms, thinking through, you know, what needs to be done and then outsourcing that to your brain, uh, mm -hmm. to your phone. Um, and there are wonderful apps that now specifically help with things like this. So I, I just think that there, we, you can almost technology your way out of a lot of these problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love all of those things. I definitely prescribe also just make exercising green spaces. 
for people mm-hmm. with ADHD in particular. I mean, nature is good for all of us, but I have read research in the past that like people with ADHD really need to be outside. And so I, I really recommend, even if it's in 10 minutes or it's like, you don't have to go run a marathon, but you know, that might also be helpful for you to create some structure around mm-hmm. running a marathon. Like, and I found like routine can also be really helpful with people with ADHD. Um, and yeah, and that movement piece, however you get it is so important. Um, thank you both because this is such a complex topic and we're probably going to have more to share on this. And this is part of going to be a series where we talk about other mental health diagnoses and, um, and, and more neurodiversity. So please stay tuned. Remember to like, share, and subscribe if you like this content and so that we can know to produce more of it or give you more of what you like to hear. And again, where can people contact you? MatthewEMorgan.com or The Misfit Refuge on socials. I'm at SherryTimco.com. And I'm at CoachMarlena.com. So thank you all for listening. See you next week.